As entrepreneurs, we are sometimes seen as crazy because we see what most people don't. It's not that they're wrong, but more so that they don't share the same vision as we do. You're constantly put in a position to prove people wrong. People constantly told Elon Musk that he couldn't make reusable rockets to carry out space missions that are cheaper than all of his competitors. Billions of dollars in NASA contracts later say they were wrong. The execs at BlackBerry scoffed at the debut of the iPhone because it lacked a physical keyboard and stylus. And I don't need to tell you the current situation at both of those companies. My point is this. When entrepreneurs make outlandish claims and make wild boasts about a product or a new service that they're trying to debut, I don't make it a point to scoff or dismiss them, which is why you shouldn't do the same with LeVar Ball. My name is Dominic Lawson, and this is The Startup Life. Let's begin. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Scholars, are you ready to join the 25 Plus Club? Parents, how does thousands in college savings sound? Brand new in our school, the OWL Academy, we have released How to Hack the ACT. Students will cover managing test anxiety, math, science reasoning, and why eating a good breakfast is so important. For more information, go to this episode's show notes for the link. All right, Startup Nation, so I hope you're ready to receive some value today. Before we get into today's content, I just wanted to take the time out to say thank you. I recently saw that we hit 30 episodes, Megan, this would be 31, but uh, we recently hit that 30 episode mark. I just wanted to say thank you for everybody who's been tuning into the podcast, people who uh, liking the podcast, sharing the podcast, subscribing to the podcast. I really appreciate that. I know it's been a minute since we've, you know, we've talked for a while, Startup Nation, but I hope you've been getting some value from the entrepreneurs that we've been having on the show. So thank you so much for subscribing and hey, let's do some more episodes, shall we? But uh, as far as today's content, let's take flight. For the past couple of months, we've been hearing about the force that is LeVar Ball, right? LeVar Ball is this this ex-ball uh, player who now has three sons that he's raising to be like these, you know, megastars or superstars in the world of basketball. And so, you know, as you know, if you've been keeping up with the news, there's been, you know, story about his shoe brand and how he uh, advises his son, his oldest son, Lonzo Ball, uh, as far as his career and things of that nature. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions about how he's going about doing this. And most people have come to the conclusion that, you know, LeVar Ball is doing the son of misservice. He's he's talking too much. He's just going to sit down and shut up. But as an entrepreneur, I would like to, you know, with this episode, present you with a different side of that. You know, I, I think as an entrepreneur, you can appreciate the things that LeVar Ball is doing and saying. And so I wanted to kind of take the time out to tell you, you know, to present my case uh, as to why, you know, LeVar Ball does what he does. The first thing that you have to understand is that everything that, I, that you know, LeVar Ball is doing or Mr. Ball is doing, LeVar is doing, I don't know how I want to address him, but everything LeVar is doing is really uh, an example of the entrepreneurial mindset. He has, you know, th- you know, this thing or product or service or, you know, in this case, his sons, in particular Lonzo, that he truly believes in. He truly believes he is great. Why does he truly believe that? I mean, granted, you could take the bias approach because he's a parent, right? 
But on top of that, you have to understand that, like, he's poured 20 years into this kid, right? You know, the, you know, the training and the emphasis and the effort and the nutrition and everything it goes into building a world-class athlete. And so on top of, you know, just being a parent and doing all that investment into your into his son, there's other aspects you need to uh, be aware of. The thing is, you know, like I was saying in the opening monologue about entrepreneurship, you're going to have people that say you can't do this or you can't do that. And so every step of the way, when it comes to LeVar, he's always proven people wrong. They said that, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't have a successful personal training business. He proved those people wrong. They said that he couldn't start his own AAU team and be successful with it without a major backer. That also was proven wrong by LeVar Ball. They said that you can't turn around uh, the UCLA program with just your sons. Well, we've had one son to go through the you know UCLA program on the Steve Alford one and done. And, you know, they were instantly became a national power, beating, you know, the, uh, beating Kentucky at home in a deep NCAA run. And that was just one year with Lonzo Ball. And so when you think about all these steps that he's taken, right, and you think about everything that he's done and you think about every time somebody told him that he couldn't do something and he proved them wrong, what else would you have him believe? I mean, think about it. If you keep, if somebody keeps telling you over and over and over and over again that you can't do this, and over and over and over and over again, you tell them, yes, I can, and then you prove it, you're going to have all the confidence in the world to tackle anything that comes in your way, even if it's, you know, to promote or to create a whole new shoe line. But we'll get to that later. Another argument that many people make is the parental investment or the parental involvement into Lonzo Ball's pending NBA career. A lot of people are saying that, you know, that he's trying to live vicariously through his son or that he's costing his son millions of dollars or his son to just speak for himself. But here's the thing. People who say that and have kids of their own or their parents themselves are being a bit hypocritical. And I'll tell you why. When you're a parent, Right. You you clearly want the best for your kids. That's that's what being a parent is all about. You want the best for your kids. And so your goal as a parent is to set your kid up for success, to set your children up for success. If you have multiple kids. Right. But to set your children up for success. And, you know, that looks different to different people. Right. Depending on your current situation. For example, um, here here in Memphis. Right. We just recently had some Memphis kids who born and raised here in Memphis, and they were playing for the University of Memphis uh, basketball team, uh, the, the Lawson boys, if, if you're familiar with them. And the dad, Keelan, you know, there's a whole dust-up, this, that, and the other, and people were saying that he was vicariously living through his kids, trying to dictate where they go, what they do, this, that, and the other. And he gave a very interesting analogy of one of his friends, that, that, you know, of one of his friends as a lawyer, of how he saw it. And that analogy was this. He said that his friend, who's a lawyer, has a son, okay? And he, you know, put his son, you know, you know, got him up through high school, great grades, put him through school, put him through law school, you know, helped him pass the bar. So now that his son can take over 
the, the law practice. That's really no different than what Keelan did to his sons and what LeVar Ball is doing to his sons now, right? The thing is, like, as parents, we're always investing in this academic area or these ballet lessons or these, uh, you know, sports, you know, endeavors into our kids or whatever the case may be. It's just that when it comes to LeVar Ball, this stage is bigger because we're talking about basketball. But it's really no different than any other parent invested into a kid. So I just think that when people say that, you know, trying to live vicariously through his kids and this and the other, I think it's just a bit hypocritical. And he explains that uh, much so that return on investment because I think it's a bit hypocritical because I think all parents want a return on investment from a kid that they poured into, into their kids, right? Whether it be good grades to brag on or a good job to brag on or whatever the case may be. And uh, LeVar Ball actually uh, emphasized this or explains this in a USA Today piece. Like I always tell people, I don't need nothing else. I got everything I want in life, which is three beautiful boys and a beautiful wife. And the rest is history. And that's what we're going to be doing, making history. It's beautiful. I consider myself super lucky. And, you know, like everybody else, I have one superstar. I just happen to have three. My oldest one sets the stage, and the other two just follow, which makes it very easy. That big baller brand. A brand is one of the biggest things you can have. And what happens is it's hard work to attain it, so nobody wants to attain it. Not too many people think that far ahead. But the following that comes with my boys, with the three ball brothers, is like, you've got to have a following, but it's got to be success behind it. If they're not doing anything on that court, none of this stuff matters. You invest in something. And let's, let, let's say I tell you, okay, for this investment to pay us back, it's going to be 20 years. You're going to go the other way. Say, I ain't got 20 years to be sitting back. But if you're doing something that you love and you're watching it grow, 20 years went by so fast, I can't believe Lonzo is, is a freshman up to be 20 years old next year. No, my mm-hmm. baby. Like, dang, Jello about to go to UCLA. I'm like, wow. Just like me and my wife are thinking, it's been a long time, but where's the time gone? And it's like, how do you expect Lonzo and my boys and Jello and them not to be good and big and strong when you realize almost 20 years have gone by? People say to my boys, hey man, you know, your dad is crazy. And you know what they're saying? Tell us something we don't know. He's been crazy all his life. When we came out, he was crazy. So whatever is on the outside talking about us, it doesn't matter. It does not matter. And there you have it, right? And so it's like that explanation when he's talking about, you know, if I told you it would take 20 years to get a return on investment, most people wouldn't do that. He's absolutely right. Most people won't. And that's just part of the entrepreneurial mindset. And and, it, and on top of that, you know, he, he tells you himself, like, he has three beautiful boys and a beautiful wife. He couldn't ask for more than that. So it's like anything else he gets, whether he sells a whole bunch of his shoes or he sells a whole bunch of the shirts of the big baller brand, that's just gravy to him because he's at a place where, you know, uh, we talk about, you know, if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, he's at self-actualization. He's trying to make his boys great, and he's trying to set up his boys to be great. Even if he does make wild boasts, or, you know, saying that, you know, uh, that transformational athletes or whatever the case may be, you may not have, you don't have to believe that, but he believes it. 
and he believes it because he's a parent and he's a he believes it because he's poured everything he's had into all three of his boys. He's poured everything he's had into all three of his boys. So he's know what he knows what they're capable of. He knows what the current NBA landscape is and if he feels like that Lonzo can be that, you know, that uh that game changer for the Lakers, uh which is where he wants him to go, then he has every right to believe that and he has data points you know, from his vantage point that says that he can be a game changer for the Lakers. There's nothing wrong with that. And a lot of people are going to say that, you know, oh, he's costing, you know, and this brings me to my next point. He's costing uh, Lonzo millions of dollars and millions of dollars because he won't shut up. Well, the answer to that is really yes and no. And let me explain why. From a drafting aspect, Lonzo is still considered a top five lottery pick. And we've been hearing from LeVar Ball for about the past year now, you know, making all types of claims and this, that, and the other. But as far as like any of the major draft boards or mock draft boards, his stock hasn't fallen. His stock hasn't fallen. So he's not mon- losing money there. Okay. And so also when you think about you know, and this is probably where most people who have that argument where it kind of comes from, like, oh, he wanted $3 billion from Nike, Adidas, and Under Armour in order to, you know, to partner with the big baller brand to have his son. Let me explain a little bit something about those those rookie shoe deals, okay, and why what LeVar Ball is doing is so, is so awesome and so crazy, but really, really awesome. When LeBron James came into the league, he signed a seven-year, $90 million deal with Nike, okay? When Ben Simmons came into the league, he signed, I believe, a five-year, $40 million deal, something to that effect, right? But in both of those instances, there's no equity in Nike. There's none. Which means that once that contract runs its course, you know, unless they decide to renew, that relationship is over. However, with LeVar Ball, with trying to, and what he was trying to do, if you're familiar with uh, Damon Dash and Rockefeller Records when he was with Rockefeller Records and what they had with Def Jam, a lot of people had the misconception that Def Jam owned Rockefeller. But what happened was, it was that Dame Dash had signed a a uh, a joint venture deal with Def Jam, where it was set up on, you know, get money based on points and record sales and this, that, and the other, but it was a 50-50 split, almost. I don't know all the, the, the integral details because clearly I don't work for Rockefeller. But that's kind of the same type of uh, similar structure that LeVar Ball was trying to get with Under Armour, Nike, and Adidas. You know, $3 billion, I believe. Uh, and they said no. And so what did he decide to do? I'll just sell it. My I'll sell the shoes myself. And so keep in mind, he owns the shoe company. He owns the big baller brand, which means that if if they only sell like a couple of pairs of shoes, all that money is going into his pocket. The thing is with the Ben Simmons deal and the LeBron James deal, yeah, they're throwing out $40 million to Simmons and $90 million to LeBron under that rookie deal. But with the LeBron deal, you could probably easily make the case that they made a billion dollars, you know, from that $90 million investment. So you pay $90 million to make a billion dollars. That's a great investment for Nike but not LeBron. So for those people who say, like, you're costing this kid millions of dollars and millions of dollars, yeah, you might be costing him million dollars on the front end, but if you go back to that USA Today piece that I just played for you, 
He's thinking, LeVar Ball is thinking long term. He's thinking like he owns the shoe brand, right? And also, like he said in that piece, like if they don't do nothing in the court, none of this matters. But the thing is with LeVar Ball, he absolutely believes in Lonzo Ball. And when you're an entrepreneur or, you know, or if you're a parent uh, with a with a business mindset, you have to believe in the product or service or what you know, or in his son that you're putting out there. And he believes that. Because the thing is, is like 10, 20 years down the line, LeVar Ball could be easily seen as a genius. And, you know, and the thing is with entrepreneurs, like people scoff and they laugh at people on the front end until things start to pan out. So, like I said, if he, you know, if he if he sells 50 shoes, 100 shoes, 250 shoes, 500 pair of shoes. Right. That's still a win because he owns that shoe. And so let's say Big Baller brand becomes this major conglomerate brand or this major worldwide brand. As of right now, he owns 100% of it. And on top of that, from, from the sources that I've gathered, Lonzo Ball created that shoe from top to bottom. The son, not the dad. The son created the shoe. I'm sorry as far as like, you know, how it looks, the texture, materials. He he created the shoe. You don't get that type of creative leeway with Under Armour, Nike, and Adidas because they're going to make the shoe for you because it's their shoe. But with the big baller brand, they made the shoe. They own the shoe. They own the brand. And any sales that come from that shoe or from that brand goes directly to them. Now, granted, they got to pay their suppliers and this, that, and the other, right? But as far as like the equity and the uh, intellectual property of the big baller brand, it belongs to them. And it's genius, right? It's strictly 100% genius. Because now, LeVar Ball is a disruptor in an industry that needed a disruption for a very long time. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this episode. And this is The Startup Life. If you are a teacher looking for great resources, look no further than Owls e-commerce store on Teachers Pay Teachers, the store name Teaching with Owls. Enjoy great lessons based on short stories from great authors such as Kate Choppin's The Story of an Hour and Edgar Allan Poe's The Mask of the Red Death. And no worries, teachers, all lessons are common core aligned. All right, Startup Nation, so let's continue. So uh, right before I was, uh, you know, for the break, I was talking about how uh, LeVar Ball is like totally disrupting an industry that was in need of disruption. The thing is, is like, you know, this is an unprecedented move that he's making, right? It's an unprecedented bet on himself and his boys that he's making. And that's what entrepreneurship is all the all about. You know, sometimes you have to, you have to, you know, be a little crazy, you know, and sometimes when he's being very boisterous and very bold and very, uh, you know, loud as people would say, you know, they're also kind of like affirmations, not just a belief, you know, you know, in what he does and what his boys can do, but a, a constant reminder that they can pull this off. And they believe that they fully believe that they can pull this off. And I'm not going to lie to you. I think they can pull it off, too. Even if it's a situation where 
it's a domino effect, right? Because like he said, nobody has come into the NBA until, until any league, mind you, with their own brand. Like, who does that? Who does that? I guarantee you that LeBron James is rethinking, like, man, what if I had done that when I came into the league in 2003? I bet Kobe is thinking the same thing. I bet Jordan is thinking the same thing. Take the Jordan brand, mind you. Keep in mind, the Jordan brand has made Michael Jordan a billionaire. But what if the Jordan brand was belonged to Michael Jordan 100%? Think about that. What if the Michael Jordan Jumpman brand belonged to him 100% and it had no ties to Nike? And besides, like, maybe a joint venture thing, but think about that for a second. Now I'm saying, like, you know, don't get me wrong, like in life, not everything's about money, but think about how much richer he, th- he would be if he came into his own brand. And, you know, that's a look into the past, but think about moving forward. Now there, there, there's kids in high school now who are probably going to think, you know, and they're probably, pretend, you know, uh, potential McDonald's All-Americans as they come into the league, and they're thinking, like, damn, I'm probably better than Lonzo Ball. I can probably make my own brand too. I can pr- I can design my own shoe. Right? And you know who should be worried about the the high school kid thinking about that? Nike, Adidas, Under Armour, and any other shoe company out there that deals heavily in basketball shoes or any other sport and shoes for that matter. Because Lonzo Ball has opened up this Pandora's box of the possible. And so, you know, people are going to say, like, you know, like, he should just shut up. Or he's costing his boy millions of dollars and millions of dollars. But I would tell you is that he's thinking long term. He's not thinking about right now. Because the thing is, a lot of people in life, you know, they only think about or focus on what you can see what you can physically see in front of your hands or what's like the closest thing to success. Not understanding that sometimes you have to rely on the vision and sometimes you have to build something towards something that you won't be able to see the fruits of those labors. It's like with us and Owls. We wanted to start a company that that's not for me and Kenda. It's not about our first name. It's about our last, as Dame Dash would say. It's about our last name. It's not about our first name. It's about our last name. It's about creating something now that we won't be able to see the full fruits of those labors. It's for our kids. And that's what LeVar Ball is doing. He is setting up something so unprecedented that not only will his family benefit, but some kid in Southside Chicago will probably benefit who picks up a basketball and think about going to the NBA, not just going to the NBA, but having their own shoe, like their own shoe, not like a shoe that's, you know, my my own shoe with Nike or my own shoe with Adidas, like their own shoe that is 100% theirs. That is what you call a disruption, my friends. Startup Nation, that is what you call disrupting. That is when you disrupt an industry or a market that makes everybody rethink the conventional. And that is what LeVar Ball is doing. And that is the genius of this very unprecedented move by the big baller brand. Now, you may ask, well, Dominic, why the $495 price tag 
Why not do it for the kids, as some has suggested? Look, here's the thing. In business school, they teach you that you should either be the high-end brand or the discount low-cost brand. He has chosen to be the high-end brand. There's nothing wrong with that. If the marketplace says that $495 is too much, then the marketplace will punish him for that. That's the beauty about entrepreneurship. That's the beauty of capitalism. That's the beauty of the marketplace. The marketplace will decide if he's wrong. Not me, not you, not, you know, whoever. The marketplace will decide if he's wrong. Another reason why the $495 price, well, the first reason for the $495, $495 price tag, in my opinion, is to do what we're doing right now. We're talking about it. We're constantly talking about it over and over and over. It's like there's, there hasn't been a news cycle in the past two weeks that hasn't talked about the $495 price tag. And it, it goes to show you that there is no such thing as bad press. Because if I'm constantly talking about it and you're constantly talking about it and social media is constantly talking about it, USA Today, USA Today is talking about it, ESPN is talking about it, Fox Sports is talking about it, that is free advertising this man is getting. Free. He didn't, and, and all he all it cost him, all it cost him was a tweet. That's the beauty of entrepreneurship. It's about, you know, being able to be creative, not just within a product and a service, but how you market that product or service. You know, him being loud and boisterous and being all this, that, and the other, and you know, it, it led up to that tweet, and now. He's making a few sales. He's making a few sales. And you cannot knock a man for that. Another reason for the $495 price tag, I believe, is that I don't think he has like this major distribution set up, you know, like Nike and Adidas and Under Armour. And I keep naming those three because those are the big three uh, that are here in this country and worldwide. He doesn't have that distribution channel, right? He's not in Foot Locker. He's not in Foot Action and Finish Line. He, so he doesn't have that. So, you know, he has to make up for it a little bit, right? Also, you know, there's the, you know, the market of machine that Nike, that Nike has, that Under Armour has. You know, he doesn't, you know, the only athlete he has on the brand is Lonzo Ball. And to be fair, he's unproven in the NBA, right? I mean, that is the fair statement. He is unproven in the NBA literally because he's has not set foot on the NBA court yet. Has not played a regular, a, a, forget a regular season game, but an NBA preseason game, right? And so, you know, you have to make up for that. You have to make up for it because you are, you are behind, he knows he's behind the ball of those three. But that $495 price tag, like I said earlier, has got you talking about it. And, you know, he probably doesn't have, like, a big warehouse and, you know, this, that, and the other, and probably doesn't have a whole team of people creating the shoe, right? The thing is, the the big three, they can have $100 shoes, $200 shoes, $80 shoes, $40 shoes, because of the one thing that we always talk about at ours is economies of scale, right? When you spread the cost of what you have, you know, over all of your resources, it makes the production costs or the cost of goods cheaper, which means you can sell your goods for cheaper. So if you only have, you know, like 50 people making your shoes as opposed to 10,000 people making your shoes, 
then you have to charge $495, right? Because I think the, the, the misconception is that people think that he has the same distribution channels and the same marketing machine as the big three, Under Armour, Nike, and Adidas, but he doesn't, and he knows that. So he makes up for it with, you know, with, you know, the comments that he makes in the media or, you know, the things he has with, like, the $695 shoe with, like, the autograph and the LED lights and things of that nature, right? So you may joke about the $495, you know, uh, price tag. Oh, and there's another thing. There's a third idea. I just thought about it. Sorry about that. That's what he believes is valued at. He believes it's worth $495. And you cannot argue with him on that. Like I said earlier, the marketplace will decide if $495 is the correct price. You can't argue that. Another thing I want to address is the Christine Leahy uh, interview a little bit, just for a little bit. The thing is, is that, you know, was he disrespectful to her? Maybe, right? I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have um, approached it that way if I were involved all myself. But I think it speaks to this notion that, you know, people are constantly telling him, telling him what he can't do, what you should do. Right. And as entrepreneurs, one thing that, you know, you know, for a fact that bothers you to your core is when people who don't have businesses tell you what you should do with yours. It, it, it's one of those things. It's just like it. It like, are you serious right now? That's like telling that's like telling somebody who's a dentist that, you know, you should, you know, uh, you should clean teeth this way and you've never been to dental school. Like, are you serious right now? So I don't think I don't think it was handled very well. I don't think he was like totally disrespectful, but I don't think I don't think, you know, he should have handled it that way. I wouldn't have handled it that way. But I think I don't think he is disrespectful to women. I don't think that's the case. I think it was just a situation where. Um, you are constantly being told what to do in your business by people, not just other people who are business owners, but like I said, people who don't have businesses, who don't know what it takes to run a business, who don't know what it takes to build a brand. Even if that I, that advice is good advice or not, you still, it just irks at you that, you know, people would do that. And I think that's all that was with Christine Leahy. In my opinion, of course. And the last thing I want to say before we wrap up this session of the startup life is that I I don't just want LeVar Ball to succeed. I need LeVar Ball to succeed. And this is for uh, personal reasons. And I'm not trying to get into race, but um, it's, it's, it's really important that somebody like a LeVar Ball uh, succeeds. And before I do that, I want to play this clip from uh, the Fox Sports Network show, Undisputed. But here's the thing. Michael Jordan could not command $100 for a pair of sneakers. Because he ain't Lonzo Ball, that's why. Lonzo Ball, you better stop playing with I'm me I'm going to tell you again. Did he have his own brand when he came in? No. It's called the Ball Air. But here's the thing, though. What is he going to do to make that shoe symbolic? Because you had that shoe Jordan, is symbolic jump. already on the fact that he's coming in with his own brand. Nobody's ever done that. So if I sell 50 shoes, who cares? It's a family thing. That's for the family. I'll make them all for Lonzo. Lonzo has his own shoe. Just like Shaq was saying, oh, LaVar, you need to make it for the kids. No, that's your lane. You make it for them. They got two lanes they can come in. He makes his shoe. It's his Shaq attack. Yeah. How come his son don't wear it? It's a family thing. See, my son will wear my shoe. 
It's a family. Oh, you give them a choice? I'm giving them a choice. He can wear any shoe he wants, but why wouldn't you want to wear something that's your own? I think the thing that, I think the main thing that sticks out in that piece is the last few seconds. You can wear whatever shoe you want, but why wouldn't you want to wear your own? Right? Why wouldn't you want to wear something that you created? You'll definitely be more invested in it. But let me go back to my final point and why I want or why I need LeVar Ball to succeed in this. And I'm going to do that with a story. And I hate to, I hate to play the, you know, uh, the cliche, having it rough growing up, this, that, and the other, money, this, that, and the other. But, I mean, that's our story. That's a uh, many of stories with uh, little black kids growing up in the United States. We, you know, like I said, my, we did well off. We were middle classes and the other uh, growing up in uh, in South Memphis. Um, but, you know, we really didn't have a lot of money for, you know, designer clothes, this, that, and the other, right? I always wanted, you know, see kids at school. You got Tommy Hilfiger, you got Nike, Polo, uh, this, that, and the other, right? And I didn't really start, you know, really dressing really nice, as far as like, you know, uh, like designer brands and stuff until I actually got my own job when I turned 16. But I remember constantly asking my mom, can I have this shirt? Can I have that shirt? And she would constantly go to the thrift store and buy me a whole bunch of shirts for like 15 cents, 20 cents, right? I'm not making this up. This this happened. One day I'm watching uh, TV. You know, I think I was watching BET or something like that. And this FUBU commercial came on. And I thought the clothes were like dope. Right? Like this clothing brand, this dude named Damon John. It had LL Cool J all over them. Coming to find out, Damon John is the guy who actually uh, owned the company, owned the brand, right? Him and a few other guys, at least. And I showed mom, he's like, look at this. Like this black owned dude got this, like, this clothing brand, right? And she thought it was the coolest thing she's ever seen in her life, right? And keep in mind, like I said, you know, mom did, wasn't into designer brands as any other, but it was the whole for us, by us thing that gravitated, that, that made her gravitate to this commercial and to this brand. And my mom has never really been one to be into commercialized brands. I think two weeks passed by after I seen that commercial and she came, comes home with this shirt. I think the shirt was like $40 or $45 or something. It was a FUBU shirt. And, you know, she gave me this shirt and she was like, I bought you something. I'm like, really? Is it for me? Like, yeah. I was like, but you don't buy designer brands. Like, what's this all about? And she told me, it's like, somebody who looks like you made this. Somebody who looks like you marketed this. Somebody who looks like you owns the company that makes this. I want you to have it because it's, it's bigger than just this shirt. It's bigger than just looking nice. It's proof that you can create whatever you want in this world and you can support people who look like you, who do, who, who, you know, service to what you do, who market to what you want to buy, what you want to wear, what you want to eat, what you want to whatever. And so in that lesson, my mom was trying to teach me that, you know, like, you know, you can be a successful entrepreneur. You can, you can, you know, no matter what you look like, because the marketplace doesn't care what you look like. Because FUBU, FUBU was a massive success. And it was more, you know, and it was a massive success with, with, you know, all types of people. And so when I think about that story of FUBU, when I think about the big baller brand, there are a lot of similarities. 
There are a ton of similarities. There's this boisterous, loud black man who is saying that I'm going to disrupt the market. I'm going to disrupt the market that is in dire need of disruption. And the thing is, is that if it pays off, he's going to look like a genius. LeVar Ball is going to be the subject of Wharton lessons, the Wharton Business School, University of Pennsylvania. He's going to be the subject of those. Like, how in the hell did you disrupt a billion-dollar market? Like, I, I can, you know, if it pays off, I can see him giving lectures, you know, to business classes how, about how he pulled this off. So when I see him, he's a reminder that, you know, no matter what you look like, no matter where you come from, like if you create a product or service, you know, and people like it, you can be successful. And it doesn't matter what your, you know, your socioeconomic background is, what your sexual orientation is. It don't matter what your race is. It does not matter. So on a personal note, I need Big Baller Brand to work. And I don't care, you know, as long as there's nothing illegal, I don't care how he does it. If he's got to be the loud black man living vicariously through his son in the eyes of many, I don't think he's living vicariously through his son because like the man said, he has everything he could ask for. Everything else is gravy. But if he's got to be the loud, big, you know, black man, you know, living vicariously to some, you know, living vicariously through his son to many, then so be it. Because like I said earlier, he's not only setting up a legacy for his family, which you're not understanding or what not many people are understanding that he is, he has planted a seed in a little kid's head that you don't have to accept the deal from Nike. You don't have to accept the deal from Under Armour. You can pass that check back to Adidas. And you say, you know what? I appreciate, you know, the ambiance and the videos because they make videos for these kids to try to convince them, you know, to make like these whole presentations to convince them to sign the check this and the other or to take the check. It's like, I appreciate all of that. I appreciate you flying me out to Oregon, flying me out to Maryland. I don't know where Adidas is, but flying me out to wherever Adidas headquarters are. But I think I'm going to go ahead and bet on myself. Because the thing is, these athletes are starting to understand that they are walking, talking, breathing billboards and brands. Think about it. Like if if LeBron James says, you know, I'm about to start wearing Osgosh Bagosh and he tweets that out. I guarantee he's going to be some cats on the court tomorrow wearing Osgosh Bagosh. Because they understand the power of branding. LeVar Ball understands the power of branding. He also understands that he could give a crap about what anybody says. And the thing is, his boys trust him because his boys have seen time and time and time and time again that his dad, their dad, has been right. Like I said, they told him he couldn't build a successful personal uh, training business. He did that. They said that he couldn't... Um, start an AAU team without a big time backing. He did that too. He said that his boys couldn't trans, you know, transform uh UCLA into being back into being this powerhouse that we all have come to know UCLA to be. 
he did that too. And there's a pipeline because it's, there's Lonzo and there's Lamelo and there's Langelo. He's doing it. So it's like, you know, people are asking like why Lonzo Ball ain't saying nothing because he's letting his dad do the talking. All his all LeVar Ball wants Lonzo to focus on is basketball. Let LeVar handle the business and the promoting and this, that, and the other. You may think, like I said, you may think he's just being this loud black man and this, that, and the other, but this dude has a plan, and you can see it. And the thing is, I don't need to know the intricacies of the entire plan to know that there's a plan. As an entrepreneur, I can see exactly what he's doing. And I can understand the, the type of blowback that he's going to get. But as entrepreneurs, we understand that. We take that. We know that's part of the process. So when you think about LeVar Ball, think about, um, you know, think about somebody who said that I've invested, you know, time and money into my boys. I invested time and money into my company, my AAU team, and now into the big baller brand. And you know what? He's probably going to prove people wrong again. So that's my take, Startup Nation. I hope you got some value from um, my take on the LeVar Ball situation in the Ball family. Um, like I said, you know, as entrepreneurs, people are going to say that you can't do something. And, and while you're in the thick of it, they're going to try to say things. They're going to say things that's going to discourage you. But if you focus on the plan and you know what you have and you know the value that you provide, Quite clearly, you can't be stirred away. And you know what? You may think I'm crazy for this next statement, but I I, I stand behind it. If I had $1,000, if I had $1,000 to where I could spend on some tennis shoes, I would buy two pair of the ZO2 Primes. I mean, besides the fact that they're great-looking shoes, but it's it's much bigger than than just the $495 price tag. But I would, I would definitely buy two pair, one for me and one for my son. Because like I said... It's bigger than just the $495 price tag. I am supporting somebody who said, I'm going to go against the system. And whether I win or lose, I'm going to give it all I got. But the thing is, if you know LeVar Ball's history, he just may pull it off. If you want to let us know what you think about the show or like to advertise on our show, send us an email to the address in the show notes. Subscribe to The Startup Life as it can now be heard on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and SoundCloud. Also, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Owls LLC. And hey, if you have an idea, be about that life, The Startup Life.